This is Money Stories, Episode 17, The Effect of Student Loan Debt on Vocations, Part 4, with Father Brent Bowen. Hi, and welcome to Money Stories, a podcast where we interview fellow Catholics and Christians so we can all learn from their personal money stories. I'm Caitlin Kano, a wife, mom, financial counselor, and student of all things stewardship. And I'm Diana Rojas. I'm a fourth grade math teacher. I'm a children's book author and a young adult parish missionary. Diana, how was your weekend? You know, my weekend was pretty awesome. I, I was uh, so fortunate and blessed to be able to go to a, a live adoration this Friday at evening in the parking lot of, of, of St. Augustine Catholic Church down here in Miami. And it was just, I haven't been to adoration in a really long time. Um, and it was just so beautiful outdoors. And like there was cars parked everywhere. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if, are you guys doing anything live like that where you're at or not yet? We're live streaming adoration, but mm. I have not been able to get into the, the chapel yet. Yeah. So I'm a little jealous. A little oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you jealous. <laughs> it was so beautiful though. I missed it so much. Just like virtual is awesome, right? It's, it's still something, but being in his presence like that was just so cool. And it was, I thought of the podcast and thought of you guys and you, especially Caitlin, cause I was, I met with a, a friend that was there. We were speaking and. And she's actually um, in the discernment process with, with an order of religious. And um, we were talking about the podcast and this and that, just catching up. And she's like, wait, I have, I'm part of uh, Labyrinth. And I was like, you're part of Labyrinth? We just interviewed John Flanagan from Labyrinth. So it was really cool to make that connection and just see how it's, it was really awesome. Because I remember when we interviewed John, I was like, oh, I haven't met anyone in Miami that's part of your, you know, part of the cohort or whatever. And then God's like, yes, you have. Here you go. Your friend, this person. So I was like, oh, wow, how cool. So it was pretty awesome. I actually want to reach out to her again and see how I can maybe help, help her out a little bit. So I was like, what a connection. Thank you, God. That's amazing. Isn't that so funny? And that's what um, Evelyn, our, our co-founder, she calls it God incidences. Yes. Like <laughs> little coincidences that happen all the time. And if you're yeah. paying attention, it's just, it's amazing. But speaking about um, vocations and discernment, we are continuing with our theme just because when we started this, we had no clue in the beginning how significant the effect of student loan debt is on vocations. And as we open this conversation up, um, we've been so blessed to have other people reach out and talk about their stories. So today we're speaking with Father Brent Bowen, and we're so grateful that he's giving us his time to talk about his story and share what he's done and and how his student loan debt affected his vocations um, for the good and for the bad, because there's going to be pros and cons to, you know, every situation someone navigates. But Father Brent is a Dominican priest. He's recently ordained. It is very interesting to call someone father who's younger than me. That's, it's a first, actually, which is really kind of funny. And right now he's working at Purdue in Campus Ministries. Well, welcome, Father Brent. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Good. We're happy to have, we're so excited to have you on today. Um, I know I can speak for myself. I know Caitlin does as well. I have a very special place in our hearts for religious um, but in, in my case, especially the young men and women who are, are saying yes to that call, um, I know it's a, it's a need and it's, it's a gift to say yes to that. So thank you for your yes to, uh, to your call, to your vocation. Um, and I just, last time we spoke, I left so excited just knowing that we were going to talk to you again and your story. Um, and that's a great place to start. Would you mind telling your, our listeners your, your little bit about your vocation story and your discernment process, and how you got to be where you are now? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Lewiston, Maine, and uh, to a kind of a nominal Catholic family. My mother is a Catholic. My, my father is not. Um, but 
God bless them. They, they did everything they could to try to have me educated in the faith. Uh, they sent me to Catholic schools uh, along with my sister. And uh, the one sort of exception in my family was my grandmother who uh, would take my sister and I to mass each week, especially when we were younger. Um, although as I reflect on it now, I think I was more interested in the donuts after mass than I was in actually going to mass. But, you know, I was there. <laughs> so God, God has a way of, of working even through donuts. So, uh, yeah, I went to Catholic school through eighth grade, and then my family really couldn't afford to send me to the Catholic high school. So I, I went to uh, I went to a public high school, and at that point in time, really, um, this was only maybe a few years after uh, the sex abuse scandal in 2001. Um, so between that and just the fact that my family wasn't a particularly practicing family, um, I just kind of drifted away uh, for about five years. It wasn't really until I went to college. I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach, Florida. I had aspirations at first to be an engineer, an aerospace engineer. I figured out very quickly that that was not uh, what the Lord was wanting me to do in my life. But I knew I wanted to be in aviation, so I, I, I stayed at Embry-Riddle um, and started studying air traffic management with the aspirations of becoming an air traffic controller um, after, after college. But it was really at Embry-Riddle that I found um, my faith once again. Uh, I had a, the witness of a really great uh, and holy priest, uh, Father Tim Daly, who is uh, still involved in campus ministry there. And also just seeing the witness of my peers was, was quite inspiring to be able to show up to Mass every Sunday on campus at 7 p.m., which mean I, meant I didn't have to get up super early. And, uh, but just to see the witness of their faith and the chapel would be packed every week. We would get at least 100, and, which was good for a small uh, school <laughs> the size of, of mine. Uh, so, so really throughout those, those first couple of years of undergrad, I uh, really finally discovered the, that I was asking questions that, that my faith was really beginning to answer. And um, so, yeah, uh, that, that was kind of my, my reversion, you might say. And it wasn't long after that that I really began to hear the Lord uh, put on my heart that uh, he might be calling me to be a priest. Uh, at that time, up, up to that time, I had really only met and known diocesan priests. I knew that there was this thing of, called religious orders, but I didn't really know much about them. Um, and I can say that at first I definitely ran from that uh, call to, to the priesthood. But eventually, probably after six or eight months, I sat down with my spiritual director and finally told him that I, I really needed to, to look at this a little more closely. So I looked at uh, my home diocese in Maine. I looked at the Diocese of Orlando because that was where I was in college at the time. And I knew I was impressed, but I also knew that it wasn't quite the right fit. Um, so I kind of put discernment on the back burner after a while and uh, began to date for a little while. Uh, dated one woman very uh, seriously for about a year and a half. But through that time, I, I just felt like the Lord would kept continuing to put that on my heart, the priesthood. Um, so over time, when I noticed that it just wasn't going away, it became very clear to me that I had to, to pursue this a little more. Now, in this period of time, 
uh, my spiritual director and I had had discerned that I should probably start looking at some religious orders. This is kind of toward the tail end of this this period. And it just so happened by God's providence that our vocations promoter uh, was passing through town two days later. And so he said, well, I, my, my spiritual director said, well, you know, you don't have to join this guy's order, but, but he is a vocations director. He can tell you about religious life and that would be a good place to start. And lo and behold, he was the, the vocations director for the Dominicans. So I, uh, I did go and at his invitation to visit the, the Dominicans in St. Louis at our, at our house of studies there. And I think I knew right then and there that this was what I had been looking for. Um, I took a little more time. Um, I did end up breaking up with my girlfriend <laughs> and uh, I made the decision to apply. Uh, so that, that kind of gets me to the point where, all right, I'm responding to the Lord's call, but uh, as you can imagine, going to a school like Embry-Riddle isn't cheap. So I found myself um, facing about $100,000 worth of debt. Actually, it was closer to about $110,000 worth of student loans. Four years of undergrad and one semester of my MBA program. And uh, yeah, I had to face the daunting reality that the Lord was calling me to this, and yet that I, I was being inhibited from answering that call fully by the fact that I had all of this debt. So uh, it, it, was, it was quite daunting at the time. I, I knew that the Lord was calling me to this. Uh, that, was, that was quite clear in prayer. But the path forward was not exactly clear. So I remember just saying, okay, Jesus, if this is really what you want me to do, I trust you. I will follow you wherever you send me. But I need you to show me the next step. I don't need to know the end of the line. I hope the end of the line is to, to enter the Dominicans. But just show me what I need to do next. Um, and he did. He really did uh, show me the next right step to take. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm a priest now, so I've, uh, I, I succeeded in that, in that regard. I was delayed by about a year and a half to two years from entering religious life because I had that debt. Wow. And yeah, you said the debt was daunting and you having thought of the career of air traffic control, they make really good money. So mm -hmm. at $110,000 in debt and going into a career that was very lucrative, it was probably mm -hmm. very daunting. Going into a career field where you're essentially taking the vow of poverty, it probably mm -hmm. seemed darn near impossible. So <laughs> can you speak to, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to hear the rest of your story and how you were able to work that out. But also, I think it's really interesting because it shows, one, how quickly someone can very easily take on six-figure debt. Mm -hmm. um, not doing anything wrong. You were planning on going into a lucrative career field where the math made sense. Mm -hmm. But it shows the beauty of the combination of grit and faith mm -hmm. and how those two things combined can tackle what we as humans see as almost impossible. So I'm curious to hear the rest of your story, but also sure, about sure. your perception of that grit and faith combination that you use. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, the, the math made a lot of sense at first. Um, mm -hmm. I was planning on entering a career in air traffic control where I could have easily lived a very comfortable life. And in 10 or 15 years, 
probably paid off a lot of that debt. You know, I, I, I don't know. At the time, it made a lot of sense. It seemed like a real investment in my future. And had I actually gone that path, I think, it, I think that probably would have been right. Um, at, at the same time, when, it, when I did make the decision to apply to, to the Dominicans, it also became clear that, one, I needed to leave school immediately. I was in my, uh, my MBA program, and it, it, I knew very clearly I had taken courses in business that the longer you let debt pile up, the more expensive and difficult it becomes to pay it all off. Mm -hmm. So I, at the time, said, okay, well, the, the first clear step that the Lord showed me was, okay, you need, to, you need to get a job. You need to leave school and get a job. And so I, I began just applying for whatever job I could possibly find, just something that would pay the bills. And I went to Mass. I, I was attending daily Mass by that time, and I went to Mass one morning. This is probably a three or four weeks after I had made the decision to, to apply. And I said, all right, Jesus, if you want me to do this, I need you to give me a job interview. And I walked out of Mass that day, and my phone rang, and I got a job interview with um, the registrar office at my alma mater, which, where I had worked as an undergraduate. So they were, of course, surprised that I was applying. That, that wasn't, you know, working in the registrar office wasn't in my 10-year plan. And God bless them, they, they gave me a job. So, um, so that was the, the first thing is I said, all right, Lord, uh, show me the next right step. What, what do I do now? Um, maybe a week after that, there was a woman from my parish who had, uh, I, I had known, she found out that I was uh, working to, to pay off my debt. She, she came up to me one day after mass and said, look, I'm a widow. I'm in my 80s. Uh, I don't have anybody living with me. Come and live in my spare room. In my house, you don't have to pay me any rent. Uh, you just have to help me out around the house from time to time. And I went, yeah, that would be great. So, so I did. I moved in. Uh, her name is Bernice. She's still alive to this day. She's in her 90s by this point. She's still kicking. I saw her a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, that, so the Lord opened that door for me. And then I started at my job in January of 2011. And I was going over the paperwork with human resources about all of the, the benefits I got. And I realized, oh, I, I can finish my MBA from, from because I'm an employee of the university. So I re-enrolled in course for free and finished my MBA while I was working full-time. Um, again, I, the, I said, Lord, show me what to do. And the opportunity presented itself. And I, and I took it. I responded to it. So there was that. Uh, my, my parents were really gracious. They, my dad paid for my car insurance and my cell phone and all of those other things. So I found myself in a situation where, uh, I didn't have any rent and no significant bills and I had benefits. Well, darn it. I was able to put vast majority of my income directly into my student loans, um, which was a huge godsend. Uh, now I, I didn't make enough to be able to pay that off in any reasonable period. It probably would have taken me three or four years, if, even if I put 100% of my, my income into it. But, but I would say I put about 90 to 95% of the money that I made directly into my student loan. Between aggressively paying off my debt and uh, asking a lot of parishioners from my parish for, for help, 
Uh, I paid down a significant amount of debt within about a year and a half. I was pretty close. So my, my order requires everyone to have a, a degree. So they, they will also accept along with that a, a certain amount of student debt. And I was about $10,000 shy of that when uh, I had an application in with a, a wonderful organization called the Mater Ecclesiae Fund for Vocations. Um, and what Mater Ecclesiae does is they help men and women who are considering the priesthood and or religious life um, and help them make the payments on their debt while they're in formation. And so they essentially save vocations. <laughs> so I, I applied to the Mater Ecclesia Fund for Vocations and was, was approved for that remaining uh, $10,000. Uh, so I, if it weren't for them, I would not have been able to enter uh, religious life. I probably would have been delayed for at least another year, uh, maybe longer, I don't know. But within about a year and a half, between aggressively paying things down through the generosity of people from my parish and from, from uh, one family member in particular, and the Mater Ecclesiae Fund for Vocations, I was able to successfully get my debt down uh, to about $40,000. Um, and the Mater Ecclesiae Fund for Vocations um, took the remaining $10,000. So I. I always tell people when I tell my story, be careful what you promise God, because he will show up and he will deliver. Um, he did that in a, in a very obvious way in my own life. And he continues to do that in many less dramatic ways. But, but uh, be careful what you promise God, because he will, if you're serious, he will, he will show up and he will deliver. I just love your faithfulness. Like you just, I love how you kept saying, like, just show me the next step and I'll do it. And I think I mean, I, I feel like that's a large part of, of, of why he was so generous to you was because you were so willing and like, okay, God, like whatever you want, I'll do. And just, I love that. That's so awesome that you were so faithful and so yeah. open to listening to what he had to tell you. Um, yeah. I've heard that. someone say, God can never be outdone in generosity. Oh, right. Like yeah. if you're generous with God, God will overflow in generosity in return. I mean, really. You were saying that you, uh, you studied to get your MBA, so obviously you have a good deal of knowledge as far as like how to pay off student loans and all that, all that fun adult stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a little bit curious, if you hadn't, you know, if, if for whatever reason the fund provocation didn't get to you in time, and, and I think that is a possibility, you know, in that year and a half where that could have put you back, God knows what could have happened and you could have gone a different way. How might that look if you hadn't gone the route that you did go? So my, in our previous conversation, we were talking, my sister, seeing how successful I was in paying off my debt, calls me one day and said, how, how, do, I, how do I do this? <laughs> um, I was very fortunate because I had minored in business in undergrad and then got my MBA that I had courses in finance and I understood what this concept called the time value of money. So um, interest compounds over time and that interest can make it more and more difficult to pay off over time depending on how much you owe and how long um, you have owed it. So I, I was quite blessed to, to have those, those lessons. So I, I think even if I had been delayed, even if the Mater Ecclesia Fund for Vocations hadn't um, awarded me a grant, I probably would have stuck to the, the, to the plan that I had, I had done. And to give you some insight to that, I realized that I had two kinds of loans. I had private educational loans 
which were much higher interest. And I had federal student loans, which um, although the interest was lower, it was still six and a half percent. So I realized very quickly that the high interest loans were the ones that needed to be paid first. Um, I also had the, the benefit of since I was doing my MBA, I was still in school. And so I had an in-school in school deferment. Mm. So I didn't have the strict obligation to begin paying off those loans right away. But I did because I knew that was, the, that was the goal. So I started with my highest interest loans first. And I put as much money as I could possibly afford to put in and still feed myself. <laughs> um, and that's what I would recommend for anybody. You know, set aside when you sit down to do your budget, sit down and say, how much can I reasonably, how much do I reasonably need to live mm. to be able to, to thrive, to, to have a good life? Um, but then also really tighten my belt to really say, I, I have to pay this off or else I'll be paying it off for decades. <laughs> so that's what I did. I paid off um, high interest and high principles and then began to tackle to ta tackle some of the lower interest loans. Um, and that was, that was quite successful because of that. Um, by the time I had finished my degree and I actually entered repayment status with my loans, uh, I was able to consolidate them as well with the federal government, which helped a lot as well. I was able to, uh, instead of having to pay I think at that point, something like 10 loans, I was paying one, which was very helpful. You took your, your education and the information you were presented and you applied a strategy to mm -hmm. pay down these loans, which I think is perfect. And what you figured out is what uh, we teach at Compass Catholic, which is the debt snowball method, mm -hmm. utilizing interest rates for your benefit rather than letting them work against you. Right. Um, so I'll make sure to put the link to our, our snowball um, information and the, the the notes of the podcast for anyone else who's interested, because if you don't pay off your debt strategically, it'll take 50% longer than if you just willy nilly pay them off. And it will also time. cost you a lot more cost in the long term. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that you bring that up because strategy is huge. And um, yeah, so as we're talking about the Moderate Ecclesia Fund for Locations, um, and we're talking about all the work that you put into this and the strategy and everything else. Um, I think generosity also fits in really well. There's all these beautiful themes that come out with your story. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if you can talk about how long you think you would have taken had other people's generosity not been available to you. Um, I'm, I'm thinking primarily the Moderate Ecclesia Fund for Vocations, if they hadn't stepped in, but also, um, I mean, the sweet widow who let you live with her. Um, these different things, would it have been years? Would it have been decades? Would it have months? I don't know. Do you? Had you ever put any time frame to what would have happened if generosity wasn't such a factor in your? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever sat down and crunched the numbers, so I would have to give you a guess. Mm -hmm. I think it would have taken me, even if I were paying off really aggressively, I think it would have taken me probably 10 years. And I say that because, uh, again, I had, the, I had all of these really generous people you know, I didn't have rent. Rent is a significant expense for most people, right? I didn't have car insurance. My, my dad graciously paid that off for me each, each month. I didn't have um, significant healthcare costs because I was young and healthy, right? Mm -hmm. But 
uh, I'll give you an example, right? So this is a, this is a more practical example. My sister and, and her husband, uh, both of them are physicians. Uh, she's a pediatrician and he is an ICU physician. Between the two of them, between their undergrad and their medical school bills, they have $500,000 in debt. And they, they will be paying that off for a long, long time. Now, they're also quite blessed that they have their, their doctors, they have good income. Um, and, but they're aggressively paying off that debt because of what you were saying, Caitlin, with the, the, the debt snowball. It just has a way of building and building and building. If you can't get ahead of it, it costs so much more money. And it can really affect your long-term goals, if, you know, if you're married, your family, you want, to have, you want to have children, you want to have a house or a car, or you want to be able to save for your children's education, well, you're putting all of this money into debt instead of into things that really are valuable to your family. So if I were to guess to the short answer to your question, I think at least 10 years. That's amazing because so much life can happen in 10 years. Mm -hmm. and yeah. When Anne Follin came on and spoke to us, she said, what was that beautiful quote she said, Diana? It was um, that just uh, vocations can be lost to delay and to distraction. Um, that mm -hmm. it's, we often assume that if someone has a calling, that they'll have that calling 10 years from now. But that might not be the case, that we probably lose a lot because of, you know, just someone having to take 10 years to pay off loans. So many religious orders, anyway, have a hard limit on how old you can be when you enter. Yeah. And so if a young man or woman uh, takes an additional 10 years from the moment they heard the call mm. to the moment that they can enter, they may not be eligible to enter anymore. And that's, a, that's daunting. Think about that. Right. How many vocations just in our country, not, don't even think about around the world, just in our country, how many vocations, how many men and women are unable to answer the call to religious life or the priesthood because of that. I mean, it's, it's absolutely staggering. It, it is mind blowing. And uh, when, when Anne was telling us that, it really like kind of hurt my heart a little bit. Well, I was like, mm -hmm. there's so many young people that have this call. And if they, if they don't know about these funds or they don't know about any of this stuff, then, you know, they're trying their best to pay off their debt, which I think also we're not really very well educated on as young adults, as far mm -hmm. as how that works. So that's what I was, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder you know, you obviously have a background in this, you studied this, so you have a good base knowledge on this. And I'm curious if you were a little bit more hyper aware of, of the need to pay off your debt because you knew of your vocation. I don't know. I was just curious. Like, I wonder if he was yeah. extra careful because of his vocation. Yeah, that's certainly true. I, 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 there, there's that passage in the, in the, uh, in the gospels about setting, setting your, your hand to the plow and not looking back. By the time I had really come to the conclusion that Jesus was really calling me to the religious life and to the priesthood, I, I set my hand to the plow mm. and, I, and I was able to use, kind of like what you were saying, Caitlin, a combination of tremendous trust in Jesus. It, it's, it's been a real grace and really having people in my life to, that modeled this kind of trust. So there's that tremendous trust, but then also a real sense of grit and know-how. You know, even if you're not being called to the religious life, if you're being called to marriage or even to the single life, without having a little knowledge and education about how, one, how crushing debt can be to your, to your personal goals, 
but two, uh, how it can inhibit your ability to live and flourish. I mean, people will just be crushed by it. I'm hoping this podcast hits the ears of young people who, before they decide to take on this debt, that they understand that a decision today affects your life tomorrow. Um, And it may be the right decision to take on debt because for some people, they don't really have many options, but every dollar you take on is a dollar plus interest tomorrow that you're not going to be able to have um, authority over because it's already been Mm -hmm. spoken for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I really appreciate you speaking to that. And I'm wondering, knowing that this could be listened to by people who are, um, before they've hit that point of taking on debt, or maybe they're, they're in college right now, what advice would you give to them based on your experience? Oh, that's a good question. I think the, the biggest piece of advice I would give them is to talk to people that you trust and talk to people who have a real sense of how money works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And again, debt isn't evil. Debt, debt can be used in a, in a, it's a tool that we can use to help us achieve our goals, but it has to be taken on intelligently. You have to really know what you're getting into because, so I'll be really honest before I, before I studied my undergrad and my MBA, I mean, I had a vague sense that I was taking out a lot of loans, but everybody told me, oh, you'll be just fine. Like, it, yeah. it'll be fine. You'll be able to pay it off. Not an issue. But I had no real sense of when I signed on that dotted line, what I was really committing myself to. And I think, I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. It's just my general sense. I think there are a lot of young people who are in that position. You know, they, they're told, you know, you, you need to go and get your education. And yeah, that's true. You do. You need to go. Education is, is really everything. Um, and especially if you've come from a lower income family, education can be your, your ticket out of poverty. Right? It's just you got to be able to do it intelligently and to really discern, is this exactly where I need to be um, committing myself? Um, so, for example, there are many people who will go to a, to a community college, and, which is significantly cheaper, and they can do a lot of their um, prerequisite courses and things like that, and then transfer it to a state university. That's a smart move. That's not a move for everyone. Some people really do need to have that continuous four or five years in, at one institution. What I'm saying is, is that just know what you're committing yourself to. Do your, do your homework and talk to people you really trust to make sure you, you, you really know what it is you're committing yourself to. It's so true. And debt is just a tool, but you wouldn't clean a window with a hammer, right? right. Like right. let's yeah. use it that. For, for what it is. And if we put too much on it, you know, if we make it we, we can't make debt a villain. It is what it is, you know, but if it gets you your degree, that's great. But if there's a strategy you can apply, if there's a way you can do it smarter, um, mm-hmm. where you're not overcommitting your future self, it, right. it allows room for your vocations to be discerned more freely, whether it be marriage or priesthood or any kind of religious life or single life, the decision will be yours. And it's not going to be one mm-hmm. that was predetermined um, right. by some decisions you made when you were 18. Oh. <laughs> So exactly. Exactly. 
I mean, I look at my 18 year old self and compare, I'm 32 now. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really glad that I'm not my 18 year old self. <laughs> you know? It's like how much more wisdom the Lord has given yeah. me. And, and I've had really great people in my life to model financial responsibility and, and other things. Um, it, it's hard to commit yourself to those kinds of decisions when you're young in life and you don't know that much. So again, talk to people you trust, yeah. talk to people who uh, have gone down the road and perhaps made mistakes and learn from their mistakes. So you don't have to make them. <laughs> yeah. So true. How proud are your rent. parents? They got a doctor and a priest. Yeah. yeah right? uh, it's funny. My, so my dad, I think, was, was pretty hesitant early on when I, had, when I told him I was entering religious life. Because, of course, he's not Catholic. So he didn't really have a category for religious. Mm. He, he knew what priests were because, of course, we were at Catholic school. So he had a sense of that. Um, so I think he was really quite hesitant early on. But my, uh, the day of my ordination, there's a custom where um, the oils, uh, the, you know, the, the bishop anoints your hands with oil, and then there's a custom of, of wiping down those oils on a, on a purificator, and you give those to your mother. Mm-hmm. And the other custom is to wear a stole, with the first confession you hear, and to give that stole to your father. And I'll never forget this, cause, and my dad would love me telling this story because he's super proud now. But I gave him the stole. And he just burst into tears and he said, you know, I really wasn't sure that this was the right thing for you, but now I see it. I really see that this is exactly what you should be doing with your life. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, so much for answering that, <laughs> that seven, eight-year-old prayer. I mean, it was oh, really wow. answered in a tremendous way on the day of my ordination. And I was, I was quite, quite blessed to have that grace. Beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, you know, I'm so glad we got to speak with you and you're just so joyful and so faithful. It really honestly is so inspiring to see how committed you are and how I can tell just how in love with you are with being a priest and with all the decisions that you've made. Um, I have a question. I always love to ask priests yeah. this question. What is your favorite thing about being a priest? What do you love the most about it? If you can pick one thing, uh, I know yeah. it might be hard. Yeah, there's so much that I could say. Um, so I'm, I'm a little over a year ordained now. Um, I'm, a, I'm assigned to campus ministry at Purdue University, um, St. Okay. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center at Purdue. And we have, we're blessed at this parish to have confessions every day of the week. Oh, wow. And twice, so, so twice a day and three times on Sunday. And it, it's, it's slowed down because of the coronavirus, of course. Right. However, just this morning, I heard... So I, I showed up to confessions at 11 o'clock. The mass begins at 11.30. So I have about 25 minutes to hear confessions. I showed up, there were three people in line. And I thought, oh, okay, I should be able to get through these, no, no problem. By the time the bell started ringing for mass, I had heard 12 confessions. Uh, and then there were four other people in line who wanted to have their confession heard. And I said, I'm going to have, it'll have to wait till after mass. I'm really sorry. I have been blessed to hear a whole lot of confessions in my first year as a priest. And gosh, it is so joyful to be able to see, you can see the weight being physically lifted off of people. And you sit, when, when, when I say the words, 
of absolution over them. I mean, just the, the tremendous relief that they experience. And you, you, again, you can just see it. You can see it physically, just like they change. Um, so I, there are lots of things I love about being a priest. That's the one that's sticking out right now. If you ask me in five years, I might say something different, but that's the one that's sticking out right now is to be able to be an instrument of God's mercy. Mm. Uh, it's just wonderful. That's awesome. I know that confession for me is one of my favorite parts about being a Catholic. So thank you for that gift of being able to absolve people. I'm sure that I'm sure it's a gift to be able to, to view that from your end as well. But it's just been such a joy to speak with you. And you've left us with us and our listeners with so many like nuggets and inspiration. And I hope that hope that people listen to this and are truly, truly inspired. Um, just before we close, would you mind ending us in a, just a short prayer before we say goodbye to you? I'd be happy to do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are open to discerning where it is you're calling us in our lives. Give us an openness of spirit to discern whatever it is that you may be calling us to do. And Lord, we don't need to know the, the end goal. We, we just need to know the next right step. So give us the grace to be able to see that and to respond generously to place our hands to the plow and to never look back that uh, we can serve you and serve our brothers and sisters more fully through our yes. We make this prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. We appreciate you, and we're yes. praying that this will be listened to by someone who needs to hear it. Such a blessing. Great. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Of course. It. Thank you, Father. For more information about Compass Catholic Ministries, including the various Bible studies and services that we offer, please visit compasscatholic.org. If you enjoy Money Stories, please share it with a friend. You may also like Compass Catholic's other podcast, Manage Your Money God's Way, available wherever you get your podcast. If you have any comments about today's show or suggestions for future shows, please email us at info at compasscatholic.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.